0: And now we're going to talk about the spongy bone. We describe the components of the compact bone. Now the spongy bone. Spongy bone is, as we seen before, is made of these pieces of bone called trabeculae. And this trabeculae, it seems like it's weaker, but it's actually not. It's organized in a way that. It resists also the tension. It looks like random bridges, uh, pieces of bone, but actually well organized. Organized along the lines of stress that are, to which the bones are subject to. And that happens during the development. They develop in this way uh, because of the stress that the bone is applied, is uh, is under. There is no osteons in the Spongy bone, no osteons. But the trabeculae contain lamellae, containing osteocytes. Of course, the lamellae are not concentric, they're just like interstitial. And uh, there are many blood vessels, capillaries in the endosteum, and so uh, richly vascularized because remember here in the spongy bone, in these small cavities, we have red bone marrow. A red bone marrow containing important cells for uh, blood cell formation so we saw this picture again spongy bone and all the trabeculae it's an example the skull bone is a flat bone so that's what we see this spongy bone and the third level the chemical composition what is the bone made of two things organic components and inorganic components the organic components we have mentioned all the types of cells besides all the type of cells the osteoid which we described is made of collagen fibers ground substance that contains proteins that bind calcium it gets calcified and we have the um, the bone but the osteoid is organic its organic component. And it's produced by the osteoblasts. The osteoblasts. Collagen molecules are important as as I said before, for resilience, for resistance. When they are subject to stretch, they can break, but they will remain in the same direction. And even better, if they are calcified, uh, they can be easily fixed with more bone or more calcium uh, deposits. And this happens when the bone is subject to stress. When the bone is subject to stress; the collagen fibers get overstretched and. And they may be damaged to some point, but it is quickly fixed, and what we have as a result is more formation bone that is stronger. And the inorganic components, calcium. Calcium, which the, the proper name of the calcium here is crystals of hydroxyapatite. That's the name of this specific crystals of calcium. And this calcium is located or bound to those proteins around the collagen fibers, uh, providing the resistance and hardness of the typical bone. So two components, organic and inorganic. Organic, the osteoid cells, and inorganic calcium. Calcium arranged in uh, crystals.
1: Now let's talk about development,
0: bone development. How we form bone this process is called ossification or osteogenesis or osteogenesis we start very early in the second month of development and then we keep growing until early adulthood there is a process called bone remodeling bone remodeling bone remodeling is that process that uh, happens during a lifetime. Because the bone that we have now is not the same osteoid and calcium that we had 10 years ago. It's been completely replaced. The bone is not just calcium. <coughs> we have seen it contains cells, osteoid. So it's continuously being replaced. And that process is called bone remodeling. If we have a fracture, then we fix it. If we have a... Uh, Increased uh, activities in some bones that apply more stress, we will remodel the bone to make it stronger. Or repair if any break or damage happens. How we form bone? So, about the week 8, fibrous membranes and hyaline cartilage are replaced with bone tissue. During the embryonic development, of fetal development, which is after eight weeks of development, we see the skeleton, but the skeleton is made of cartilage. It's made of cartilage, hyaline cartilage. So you see the, uh, uh, an X-ray of uh, fetus of uh, eight weeks, nine weeks, 10 weeks, you won't see bones. You will see cartilage. Cartilage that starts to get calcified. We see some pieces of bone there of calcium but you see a template of cartilage so all the skeleton is cartilage initially and then it gets replaced by the final bone well there are two types of ossification the endochondral and the intramembranous ossification endochondral this uh, suffix chondral comes from "chondros," that means cartilage So, endochondral ossification is the bone that is produced by replacing the hyaline cartilage. Most of the skeleton is formed in this way, by endochondral ossification. Example, the humerus, long bones, all of them show endochondral ossification. The second type is called intramembranous. Intermembranous because the bone develops from a membrane, and those membranes are fibrous membranes that then get calcified. Example: flat bones like the skull bones. It starts from a membrane, fibrous membrane. That fibrous membrane gets calcified. So these are the two big uh, two types of development of uh, of the bone. Some details about the endochondral ossification, how this happens. As mentioned, most of the skeleton is formed by endochondral. This is a way of saying that essentially all bones inferior to the base of the skull except the clavicles. So, under the head, below the the skull, all your bones are mostly formed by endochondral except the clavicles. The clavicles are separate. This is the one that starts at month two of development. And it starts from hyaline cartilage models or templates. There are two centers of ossification. The primary centers of ossification appears in the shaft of the bone, in the diaphysis. And these are the five steps in the process of ossification. I think we have a picture. Yeah, let's check the pictures and then go back to this, this description of the steps. The pictures show that this process very well. Around the week nine for this long bone, what we see is a bone or a template of bone made of hyaline cartilage, all in blue. In the shaft, We'll see bone color, so there's some bone that starts getting formed initially. But then we see uh, an ossification center in the shaft in the diaphysis called primary ossification center. Next step, we see cartilage in the center of the diaphysis gets calcified and then a cavity will start appearing here, space. So the cartilage gets destroyed and is replaced by bone little by little, but there's a cavity being formed in the shaft of the bone. Third step. We see that from the periosteum, from the periosteum, a blood vessel will get inside and will start invading the medullary cavity. This is called the periosteal bud. It's like a little piece of periosteum that gets inside, giving place to the internal cavities. And then the spongy bone will start getting formed. Let's see the next here. And this is the secondary ossification center. The primary is here in the shaft. The secondary is in the epiphysis and it's invaded by the blood vessel here, the epiphycial blood vessel. We see the medullary cavity already formed, all the shaft is bone, and we only have the epiphyses, both epiphyses, which are basically cartilage, still cartilage. But in the central part, we see an ossification center, so this ossification center starts to grow and grow, developing more bone, and Red bone marrow is located here in both epiphyses. And then finally, this is the state of this long bone, childhood to adolescence. Well, we see the shaft completely developed. We see the medullary cavity and everything. Now you see here in the epiphysis spongy bone, covered by articular cartilage. This cartilage that is covering the epiphysis is actually a remnant of the template of cartilage that the bone had initially. And what else we see? The epiphyseal plate. epiphyseal plate, which is still blue, that means it's still cartilage. So if you start here, and think about this secondary ossification center growing and growing and growing, at the end what we will get is all this. Just a thin layer of cartilage covering the epiphysis and an epiphyseal plate connecting to the diaphysis. And this plate, this plate, the presence of this plate, and we can see this in an X-ray, tells us that the bone is still growing. When that plate, cartilage plate, disappears, then we call the line. The whole calcium, no more growth. So, those are the five steps of the endochondral ossification. Now, we go back to the description. This is just a description of all the steps that we just described. Intramembranous. The intramembranous only flat bones. Examples. Skull bones: frontal, parietal, occipital, temporal. The clavicle. The clavicle is also formed by intramembranous ossification. Well, everything starts from a connective tissue membrane, fibrous connective tissue, and uh, the mesenchymal cells. Mesenchymal cells are stem cells, embryonic stem cells, that during the development will get place to give place to these uh, special cells in the bone. The process of intramembranous. Let's see the the sequence of pictures here. So these cells are the mesenchymal cells. It looks like fibroblasts. This is embryonic tissue. The fibrous membrane. This fibrous membrane. What we see first is that osteoblasts develop, and they will start producing osteoid. Osteoid and then it gets calcified. But initially, the osteoblasts are differentiated into an ossification center, and the first trabeculae will start appearing very early. So there's no cartilage first. And the other one, an endochondral, there is a cartilage template here. Everything starts from this membrane of connective tissue. Second step, more osteo is secreted into the membrane and gets calcified. The osteoblasts keep producing osteo and more. We see now osteocytes getting trapped and osteoblasts surrounding all this membrane producing more bone. Everything happened in the membrane. But then in the third step, we see that cavities appear. Cavities appear and uh, blood vessels invade this. And the mesenchyme remains in both sides, outer and inner. And later, these mesenchyme will turn into the periosteum, into the periosteum. And in the middle, we see blood vessels getting in. We see um, appearance of small cavities uh, and the trabeculae. Trabeculae will get very clear now but it's still still in development not completely yet and now we have the presence of a plate of compact bone inner and outer plate in the central part of the diplo with uh, the cavities trabeculae and membranes periosteum periosteum, or endosteum, whichever is out or in. And uh, endosteum covering the small cavities in the diploid. So no cartilage here, everything starts from a membrane that gets calcified and uh, in this arrangement of flat bone. After, after birth, (laughs) what happens is the bones keep growing. And the bones, long bones grow lengthwise by growth of the epificial plate. So that epificial plate, let's say newborn, the epiphyseal plate is still there. But that cartilage keeps growing as cartilage as long as the bone keeps growing. That cartilage will remain until adolescence. After adolescence, the cartilage of the plate gets calcified and no more growth. So as long as you see plate, and that's supposed to be there from childhood to adolescence, then the bone is growing and you grow. But the bones can also increase thickness, and that's called appositional growth. So around, more layers and get stronger. And it stops during adolescence, no more growth.
1: This is a detail
0: of what we see in this plate, the peripheral plate. It is cartilage, it is cartilage. And just to mention here, um, this top part is called resting zone because it's just cartilage cells. But then during growth, this cartilage is, grows more and the bone grows in length. There's a layer called proliferation zone where there's active mitosis here and then hypertrophic zone the cartilage starts to get bigger and then calcification so this cartilage starts to get calcified all these are cartilage that is being calcified with the osteoblasts here depositing calcium so little by little this calcified area will start growing growing here and invading and calcifying completely all the cartilage and at some point everything will be bone, no more cartilage, no more growth. This is something that we see usually in uh, children that are taken to the pediatrician with the sometimes common question, why my kid is not growing? She's short or she's short and it's not growing anymore. What can we do? give some vitamins, something to make it grow more. And then quickly what they do, what the pediatrician does, is an x-ray, x-ray of the long bones. What for? To see if there's a plate. If there is a plate, if there is a cartilage, an epifacial plate, that means that, that kid still has potential to grow. If it's not growing, probably because of something, a hormone, some problem, or a nutritional problem, or infection, or many causes not letting them grow. But if there is cartilage, fine. If there is no cartilage, then we're in trouble. Because you have to tell the parents that the kid's not growing anymore. That'll be the final height. So, they make her grow. It's not possible. Not possible anymore. There's some people that advertise and promise you to make you grow even after, even if you're an adult. Is that true? No, it's not true. They stretch you. What they do is uh, increase or improve your posture and things, and make you grow like one inch. But you're not growing. Your bone is not growing. Um, And there are some medications sometimes, antibiotics, uh, that cannot be given to kids. If they're given to kids, they will close the plate early, and they will not grow anymore. So, that's something that is is useful for... um, for assessment of the age. And also, uh, when um, they get these um, studies of uh, bone remains, that's one of the ways that they have to find out what is the age of the person at the moment of death because of the presence of the plate. So, the bone length stops growing in length at this age. This is approximate because uh, genetics determine individual characteristics. I mean, this is an average age. Some people grow until later or earlier. And that means epiphysial plates closed, no more growth. Epiphysis and diaphysis fuse. Everything is bone now, no more plate. Thickness, the, gr- the bone grows in th- thickness. And that happens throughout life. Usually, there's a response to increased stress. That's what makes the bone grow in thickness. Exercise. Exercise that makes you pull weights, That increases the thickness of the bone. One of the best exercises for um, women after menopause is uh, go to the gym and start working out. That will make your bone grow stronger because osteoporosis is the problem after menopause. And the bone gets weaker. But if you stimulate the osteoblasts with exercise, tension, exercise, then that will, that, will, that will help. Instead of just staying in bed or seated all day. As long as they are able to. So it's so not possible because of other problems. But as long as you can, that's a very good thing to do. Osteoblasts and osteoclasts are always opposing each other, balancing this formation and reabsorption. And this is an example of what we call remodeling. When the bone grows, it grows in length. But as long as it grows in length, it will have have to be remodeled. Like, let's say it grows and there's a like little asymmetry of the bone, and it has to be reabsorbed. Now, this part of the bone has to be reabsorbed in order to get the final shape of the bone. We see this, we see this very clear in fractures. After fractures, during the healing process, you see the bone heals, but mm-hmm. there's a irregular shape at some point. But then after eight weeks or 10 weeks, then you see another x-ray, and you see the bone perfectly aligned. As before the, the, the fracture, and that is remodeled. Yes? Uh, since you said about uh, why does it prevent osteoporosis? Because the osteoporosis responds to other factors. This balance between the osteoblasts and osteoclasts depends on factors like hormones. And after menopause, women don't produce estrogen anymore. And the estrogen is one of the factors that promotes this perfect balance. So there's no estrogens, the osteoclast will prevail, and the bone will get weaker. Yeah, because it it, it makes sense if this uh, uh, works in this way remodeling, it it will remain or retain our bone stronger. But uh, this balance depends on many factors. One of the factors is hormones, and that's why osteoporosis. trying to slow it down for how it's going to happen, the, the, uh, resistance on the bone, right? Yeah. Right. And osteoporosis is a process that happens um, in men and women after 30 years old. After 30 years old, you start the process of osteoporosis, although, although it's very mild after 30, but then increases after 40, 50, after 60, even more. And, and it's more pronounced in women because of menopause there's a treatment for this there are ways of prevent make it slower make it slower and uh, and prevent the fractures which is the more important thing hormonal regulation of the growth bone grows thanks to this balance we said and that depends on hormones hormones like the most important the growth hormone this is the one that works during infancy, childhood, stimulates the epiphyseal plate mitosis. If there is growth hormone, this cartilage will grow. If there is no growth hormone, this cartilage will not grow and will remain short. Thyroid hormone produced by the thyroid gland. It helps the activity of growth hormone. Someone with hypothyroidism, there are kids that, that have hypothyroidism, low production of, of uh, thyroid hormone, they will have short stature. Testosterone and estrogens at puberty, they are the ones, the, these hormones are responsible for the growth spurts that the kids have when they turn 11, 12, 13 years old. And any problem with these hormones, as mentioned, can produce short stature or even increase because excessive amount of hormones and increase the stimulus of of growth. Just to remind you what I said before, the bone is completely replaced in a period up to 10 years. And all the bone is being replaced all the time. Osteoblast, osteoclast, remodeling process, deposit, and reabsorption. That is happening all the time. Bone reabsorption is a function of the osteoclasts. The osteoclasts are found in the endosteum, in the medullary cavity, inside of the spongy bone, in grooves or depressions. They contain lots of lysosomes, digest the matrix, and make the calcium available and soluble so it can go to the blood and be used for different other functions in the body. How the remodel is controlled by hormones also, calcium levels. There are diseases that promote deficiency of calcium and that is something that affects the bones because the bone will be reabsorbed and the bone may get weaker. If there's not enough calcium in the diet, we take it from the bones. And these are some of the functions where the calcium is involved. Nerve transmission, muscular contraction, blood coagulation, nerve secretions, gland secretions, cell division. Calcium needs to be absorbed. If we eat it in our diets, it's absorbed in the intestine, and it requires vitamin D. Calcium is absorbed only if vitamin D is present. That's the importance of the vitamin D. The remodeling process depends on this. Someone healing from a fracture, We'll need more calcium, obviously. And in response to mechanical stress, we mentioned that. What hormones are the ones that also are involved in this? Two, mainly. PTH, that stands for parathyroid hormone, and calcitonin. Parathyroid is produced by parathyroid glands and the calcitonin is produced by thyroid gland. What is the function? Well, PTH, it is produced when we have low blood calcium levels. And if we have low levels of calcium in the blood, we need calcium, so the osteoclasts will be stimulated. They eat bone and send more calcium to the blood. Calcitonin, It is produced in response to high levels of calcium, to high levels of calcium. And what it does is to lower the blood calcium levels. (coughs) How? Well, it deposits more calcium in the bones. Some people suffer of this problem called hypercalcemia, excessive amount of calcium in in the blood. And then, after some time, they start uh, having, like, small, small spikes or growth in, in some bones because of calcium is deposited. And in some way, it has to be corrected. And the way to correct this is take the excess, excessive amount of calcium and start making little pieces of bone in different places. And that's just a homeostatic loop to show this process of PTH and calcitonin. Okay, I think we can stop it here for now. And we'll continue next Tuesday.